Okay. My name is Stephanie. I'm one of the pastors here. I see some new faces. Welcome to Mill City. We're so glad that you're here. Uh, we're starting our, uh, we're in the second, second week of a conversation that we're just calling, what does God want for us? What God wants for us. And you heard Pastor Michael say when he was introducing the offering time that we really believe that generosity is something that God wants for us and not from us. And so he kicked off that conversation last week and I want to continue that as we go into this week and the next week. And then guess what's after that? Advent, you guys. It's coming. It's coming for you. <laughs> Some of you are like, yay. Some of you are like, oh my goodness. Ah. Great. Let's pray and let's jump into God's word together. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, we thank you for just the promise of your presence here with us. Even though it's not yet Advent, you are Emmanuel all year long. You are the with us God. That even when we feel alone, you are there, you are with us. And we pray that your presence would remain here in this school as these kids come, maybe for just a couple days before the holiday break. God, just allow there to be focus and energy around learning. God, we pray for the school. We ask that you would bless it in Jesus' name. Bless everyone who works here and all the kids and their families. And God, we pray that this morning that you would speak to each one of us, that we would be people who encounter you today, that um, each person would leave here different than when they came in because of you and your uh, ability to communicate with us and to be with us in this time. So we thank you so much, Holy Spirit, for that promise. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, some of you don't know me and my husband, J.D., very well, but if you know us like even like this well, then you know we've got a slight obsession with our dog, Chaco. Um, and so Chaco broke his leg. I know, that's the appropriate response. Uh, he was jumping, he's a Springer Spaniel, okay, so he was springing off of our front step and somehow busted his leg. And not like, like hairline fracture, like boop. I won't show you an x-ray because some people might throw up, it was that bad. And so this guy has to wear a cast, this, this, and it's been different colors every week, but he gets to wear a cast or has to wear a cast for, for maybe 12 weeks which is just insane for this dog because, once again, he's a Springer Spaniel. And the problem is, is that Chaco doesn't realize, he keeps forgetting because dogs in their memory, that he is not, he is seriously injured. And so he keeps jumping around. And so we have to give him this relaxation medication like all the time. So then he's walking around like he's drunk until we give him more of it. Um, because I keep telling him, I'm like, you right now, you're a limper Spaniel, not a Springer Spaniel, but he doesn't understand human communication. So... The problem is, is that this dog is going through a lot and most of the time is drugged, okay? So what happens is, is that as soon as that medication is wearing off, um, his energy comes back. So how many of you would say that you're a morning person? Not me. Okay, I'm the opposite of whatever a morning person is. I don't know exactly what that is. I'm not like a nighttime person either. I'm just definitely not a morning person. Don't talk to me. So you can imagine that when at four o'clock in the morning, this Monday, I hear in my little time, we have a little house, wood floors, and I hear thunk, 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 thunk. He's walking around with his cast, his like peg leg, because his medication wore off at four o'clock in the morning. And so he's exploring the whole house. Boom, 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 all over the house. And I get up and I'm like, oh man, I, I give him more medication, but it's too late. It's going to take like an hour before he goes back to sleep. And so he's peg-legging it all over our house. And I can't go back to sleep and it's four o'clock in the morning and that's really not morning person, morning, not, not morning person time. And so I'm like, well, oh, whatever. I'm trying to be like compassionate for this animal. But at this point, we're like three weeks into this dog cast thing and I'm not having it. It's four o'clock in the morning. So I'm just up. I guess I'm up now. 
Thanks, Chaco. And so I get out my computer, and of course, it's Monday morning, right? So I don't know if everyone else's email situation is like this, but you open up to the Monday emails that you haven't answered for the last two days, and you're like, great. <laughs> so then I started answering emails at 4 o'clock in the morning, because what else are you going to do? And there was a couple of those emails, like those emails, you know, the ones that are going to change the whole week. So I'm just not feeling great. And then my phone buzzes at 5 o'clock in the morning, okay? And this is not unusual. It's one of my best friends, Joe, And she has texted me at 5 o'clock in the morning, and in all caps, she has wrote, Happy Monday! Yay! <laughs> Joe is a morning person. And so my appropriate response at that morning, she was, I think, very shocked that I responded at 5.01, but I said, what's so happy about it? <laughs> and I kid you not, she responded with, you know, like rapid, rapid texts that just keep going, with 10 bullet points of things she was excited and grateful for this week that she was already up at 5 o'clock in the morning excited about. And it was in that moment as I was reading and becoming increasingly cynical about her uh, list of litany of gratitude that I remembered that it was my responsibility this Sunday to preach about gratitude. <laughs> and it's 4 o'clock in the morning at the beginning of the week and I've already got a bad attitude. <laughs> about such a stupid thing, right? Like, it's not that big of a deal. The dog woke me up. It's not that big of a deal. But it is just that moment that I realize this is why gratitude can be so hard. Because the week starts out in just a little bit of a weird way, and you've already lost the opportunity to genuinely be grateful in your life. The sun has not even come up, and I am already void of all gratitude in my life because of things that are not that big of a deal, right? But I don't know about you, but it's often the little things, isn't it? The littlest things, not, the, not even the big things, but the littlest things that kind of like zap all gratitude away from us in our lives. And these little frustrations and these little things that take our spirit of generosity. And then not to even mention some of the very significant things that are worth lamenting that are going on in our lives, in your family, in your own life. I mean, our prayer request list is very long. There are significant things happening in your life. Um, not to mention in our community, in the world. There are so many things to lament. And so we've kind of got a lot up against us when it comes to what it looks like to be people of gratitude. And when I think about this, I think about this concept of generosity that we're talking about. And generosity and gratitude are inextricably linked, I think. I think about it. You say you are giving thanks. It is something you have to give. It's not something that you can hold back. To be a person of gratitude, it flows from a spirit of generosity. And I think this is why God wants this for us and wants generosity for us in our lives. Because from a generous heart flows a spirit of gratitude. From a stingy heart flows a spirit of scarcity, of, of frustration like me and my morning person problems. <laughs> Hashtag morning person problems, not morning person problems or whatever the opposite. Does somebody know what the opposite of morning person is? Because someone needs to tell me, because it's me. What would you say? Nightlife? Oh, gosh. We're not going to do that hashtag. That's going to get me in trouble. <laughs> but whatever it is, man, like, it's not even that big of a deal, but it's already causing me to have a spirit of frustration and scarcity and, and inability to see the rest of this week that I have. The fact that people are emailing me means I'm doing something that matters enough for someone to talk to me. But I can't get there, right? Because there's these barriers that we have in our life. There's so many things that come from that. And I want to say something. I want to say that I, I, it's a confession. I have um, felt like this idea of gratitude and being thankful 
feels a little bit like flowery to me, like a little bit soft, like maybe this thing that's kind of cute that we do, uh, maybe trite even, like let's make a list of things that we're thankful for. And it's especially awkward when we're at dinner with people we only see once a year. Yay! And then we're going to go around and it feels kind of forced. Maybe it's awesome in your location. But for me, it's felt a little bit awkward. And, and then there's like other times when you're trying to list things you're thankful for. Like, have you ever done it with kids? All right, we're going to list what we're thankful for. And one kid's like, ooh, I'm thankful for my dog. And another kid's like, I've got a dog. And then another kid's like, my dog ate chocolate and we made him puke. Great. Like, this is my experience with like the forced generosity conversations. And I'm confessing that I'm bringing that into this conversation we're having this morning. But here's what I hope that you hear today. Gratitude is not soft. It's not weak. It's not trite. In fact, for most of us in many seasons, it takes a significant amount of strength and courage to be thankful and grateful in our lives. Some of you might be in a season where generosity and gratitude is flowing freely in your life, but for lots of us, that is not where we're at or where we have been or where we're going to be. And so I want you to know that I think sometimes in life it takes grit to have gratitude. Actually, maybe a lot of times in life it takes grit or strength to have gratitude. In Scripture, we see this idea of gratitude and thankfulness all over the place, but there is one place that I think is very significant, and that is in the Psalms. The Psalms, if you're not familiar, it's pretty easy to get to. You just open right to the middle of your Bible, and then usually there it is. And it's a, it's a songbook. That's it's the best way to put it. It's, it's a list of songs or um, of poems, and it was literally used as a songbook for people who would sing songs together just like we do. So we've got it up on the screen, but you know it used to be hymnals. Who remembers hymnals? Okay, so it's like the ancient hymnal, all right? It's got all their songs in it. And so you see all these psalms of thanksgiving that are, are here over and over. And um, the word todah, you can see on these signs here, todah is the word in Hebrew for thanksgiving. It's, it's the noun, okay? So put up that slide for me. So then the, the actual verb to give thanks is yada, not to be confused with Yoda. Giving thanks we are. No, no, not that. Yoda is to give thanks. So, so Torah is thanksgiving and Yoda is to give thanks. And so in so many of these psalms, these songs, you see this word, yada, over and over again. And the psalm that we're going to read today that Christian already read once, which I love that, is Psalm 138. So if you have a Bible, you can turn to it. And it starts off with this uh, word, yada, being used three times just in the first verse. Okay, and it's translated different in different um, translations of the Bible. Sometimes it says give thanks, sometimes it says praise, sometimes it says offer thanksgiving, but in the NIV, which we're going to read today, it says praise, which means yada, or giving thanks, okay? So let me read this, and what I want you to pay attention to is the posture of gratitude and whether or not you see the grit required for the gratitude here in this psalm. So pay attention to that maybe in a different way than you have reading the psalms in the past, okay? Listen to this. Psalm 138. I will praise you, Lord, with all my heart, before the gods, I will sing your praise. I will bow down toward your holy temple and I will praise your name for your unfailing love and your faithfulness. For you have so exalted your solemn decree that it surpasses your fame. When I called, you answered me and you greatly emboldened me. May all the kings of the earth praise you. Yada, Lord. When they hear what you have decreed, may they sing of the ways of the Lord, for the glory of the Lord is great. Though the Lord is exalted, he looks kindly on the lowly. Though the lofty, he sees them from afar. 
Though I walk in the midst of trouble, you preserve my life. You stretch out your hand against the anger of my foes. With your right hand, you save me. The Lord will vindicate me. Your love, Lord, endures forever. Do not abandon the work of your hands. So we've got these Todah Psalms. That's what they're called in Hebrew. The Todah, Psalms of Todah, Psalms of Thanksgiving. There is uh, lots of Psalms, and Todah Psalms are the second most common type. Does anybody know what the number one most common type of Psalm there is? Lament. There's more songs about lament than there are about Thanksgiving, but Thanksgiving is a close second. And you hear a little bit of lament in here, didn't you? The truth is, is if you were to take our hymnal or our folder of things on the computer, <laughs> it'd be the, totally the other way around. Way more songs about praise and thanksgiving than lament. And what's so interesting is that, the, that what scholars think now is that in the, in the songbook, that very often you see a lament and then a Todah psalm right next to each other. And so what we think was happening is that every time people got together, they would do what's called lament Todah where they would start with lament and then they'd move to thanksgiving. That was a part of their practice in community to come and to sing and to be raw and honest and vulnerable with God and then let that flow into a spirit of gratitude. You see the grit involved for that? And so it's from this place that you see that people were kind of like almost, this is the way I see it, it's like they were, the, the thanksgiving or the todah was a response and a way to almost resist or stand firm in the midst of whatever evil or brokenness was causing them to have to, 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 to despair and to lament. It was like a way of resisting, I think. In fact, right before the psalm that we just read, Psalm 138, we have Psalm 137. And uh, the psalm we just read is most likely written by David, we think, but the psalm before it, Psalm 37, was actually written at a totally different time frame. And so the people who were putting these books together intentionally chose to put that lament before that Todah. That's why we think that was so common, because they were written at different times. And that lament starts out with this phrase, by the rivers of Babylon we, sit, we sat and wept. <laughs> Can you imagine Ashish being like, all right, all together now, from the rivers of Babylon we sat and wept. Like that just, it's not, uh, right? It's not what we do. But that's how the song starts. We sat and we wept. And the song, that actual whole psalm is pretty, pretty difficult. And the reason that they were sitting and weeping at the, the river of Babylon is because they weren't supposed to be in Babylon. Because in Babylon, it meant that other people were controlling them. They were in exile. They were in a form of captivity. They were being oppressed. And so here in this space, they're saying, God, we are weeping by this river we're not supposed to be at. You brought us to a land. What are we doing here? And God clearly invites them to do that, to share where they're really at, what they're really experiencing. And then the very next verse, I will praise you. The very next song. This is why I don't see Todah or gratitude as soft or trite. I just don't think that it is. In instead, I think that it's a way to keep moving to keep taking a step one day at a time when you're experiencing suffering, when you've experienced grief, when you're experiencing the things that are tearing you up inside. I think that's the invitation from this passage, from the word of God, is that we can come out of lament and into gratitude, which is a difficult thing to do. It takes strength, it takes courage, it takes grit. It is not soft. 
So I think that grit, when I say grit, I mean courage or resolve or strength, like having to have resolve. Perhaps there's been times when you know that you want to choose gratefulness, but you've had to resolve (laughs) that you're going to find the silver lining in this situation. I know that's a lot of people's stories. I see see this sense of grit all over in this Psalm 138. Right away in verse 1, I will praise you, I will give thanks with all my heart. So this idea of all my heart, this idea of, of with everything that I have and everything that I am, when people make commitments at their wedding, they often say, with all that I am and all that I have, I'm committing to you. Right away, they're coming out of the gate saying, I'm going to try to bring everything that I have to be grateful. Coming out of that Psalm 137 lament, I'm going to bring all that I have to give my heart to you, my thanksgiving to you. That sounds like grit to me. Verse 3, when I called, you answered me and you greatly emboldened me. I love the word emboldened. We don't use that very much. You know, it's not like people are like, wow, thanks for encouraging me before I went into that really hard essay test that I had to take. You really emboldened me. Like, it's just not a phrase that we use, but, you know, strengthened. You, you, You gave me what I needed to go into the space of something that was hard and took courage, and people do that for each other. And very clearly here, this is what God does. And so I think it's pretty uh, clear clue that if we're having trouble being grateful in a season of our life, we need to ask God for help. Because God's the one who's going to give us the grit, the fortitude, the strength to be able to offer gratitude when we're coming out of a place of despair maybe or lament or even just annoying frustration about your dog, right? Verse 7, though I walk through the midst of trouble, you preserve my life. Strong language here. I'm walking in the midst of trouble? and I need to be preserved. There's this sense of danger, the sense of not feeling safe. I bet a lot of you have wondered, am I safe in different ways, emotionally safe, physically safe? That's something we deal with still. And here the psalmist is saying, I walk in the midst of trouble, and you preserve my life. Gratitude is not pretending that there's no trouble. It's not putting on rose-colored glasses to pretend like what you're seeing isn't dark. That's not what's being said here. It's choosing to say, I'm going to praise you anyway. It's acknowledging that no matter how hard it's been, I'm still here. You're still here. Some of you maybe wondered, but you made it to today. And tomorrow, when you get up, you're going to make it till tomorrow, and there's something to be thankful for in that, and it's not soft, and it's not flowery. It's significant, especially if you wondered if you'd make it. Your love, O Lord, verse 8, your love, O Lord, endures forever. The word endurance It's all about strength and needing strength. God has the strength we need because God's love endures forever. And then I love this. Do not abandon the work of your hands. That's how it ends. (laughs) It doesn't end in like a nice, like, nice little bow of like, and so, yada. Like, it doesn't end like that. (laughs) It ends with, don't abandon us. Please. We've offered our whole hearts of gratefulness, but please do not abandon us. Don't stop the work of your hands, meaning, Finish the things you're doing, God. We need to see those wrong things made right. We need to know that you're with us in this. We need to be able to rely on you. I love that the psalmist ends with this plea to God. Will you be with me? Don't abandon us and don't stop the work of your hands, the work that you're doing. We need to know. Gratitude does not mean you don't long for more. Do you see that? Like gratitude is not saying, I have everything I need. You don't. We're not in the new kingdom, are we? We need to see more healing, don't we? We need to see more justice. We need to see more righteousness. We need to see mercy and love. We are not satisfied. Kingdom people are never satisfied. We're always longing for more. And I've said this before. Hope is what, is, is what we are supposed to have, right? 
Longing is what hope looks like on a bad day. We're supposed to be people of longing. How can you have a sense of hope? It means that there's not everything that you need yet. That's okay. You can be grateful and thankful for what you have and say, but God, we want to see more. We want to see more. We don't want you to stop the work of your hands. We want to know that you're still moving and you're still doing something. Gratitude does not mean you don't long for more. It's not pretending that things are there when they're not. It's not having to say, well, it's fine that I don't get to be with family for Thanksgiving because I'm here and it's okay, it's good. I'm, I'm at grad school and I'm just so thankful to be at grad school. It's okay to say, I am so thankful I'm at grad school, but it's really lonely to not be able to go home. You can be both of those things. This is the invitation, I think, here. The psalmist is saying, God, we know that you're not done. Don't let the work of your hands be abandoned. We want to continue to see you working in our lives and in the lives of our community. I love that this is how the psalmist ends. Don't abandon us. Finish what you started. So, a little overview. Gratitude is not soft or flowery or even easy. It often takes grit. Gratitude is not pretending that things are fine when they're not. Gratitude is actually a follow-up to lament, this raw honesty with God that propels us into a sense of thankfulness that we're still here. Gratitude is a form of resistance to evil and the brokenness in this world and in our lives and the sin that so easily holds us back. Here's what I think is so cool. This is written thousands of years ago, and here we are this is one of my common nerdy things. I just love finding out about the newest psychological research that we now know about the human brain. I just think it makes me even more in awe of who God is when we now can measure things that are going on in people's brains and how they're experiencing things. And so I found this, this article, and it's from the, the University of California Davis Health. There's, a, there's what they would call a leading scholar, um, Robert Emmons, if anyone cares about that. And he's a professor of psychology at UC Davis, and he's considered like a leading scientific expert on the science of gratitude. And I actually posted this at millcitychurch.com backslash training if anybody wants to get this article. But listen to what he says. The practice of gratitude can have dramatic and lasting effects in a person's life. It can lower blood pressure, improve immune function, and facilitate more efficient sleep. Gratitude reduces lifetime risk for depression, anxiety, and substance abuse disorders, and is a key resiliency factor in the prevention of suicide. Practicing gratitude also affects behavior, he says. Studies have shown that grateful people engage in more exercise, have better dietary behaviors, and are less likely to smoke and abuse alcohol and other things that are, translate then, obviously, into a healthier life if you avoid those things. And so then they've done these studies. So let me just point out a couple of them. They've, they've tried to study the effects of gratitude on lots of different populations, and they just mentioned a few of them in here, which I think is so interesting. So keeping a gratitude diary for two weeks produced sustained reductions, sustained, meaning even after the, the journal, they were done journaling, they sustained a reduced perceived of stress by 28% and 16% lower in uh, rates of depression in a group of healthcare practitioners that they studied. There's a few other ones. Uh, two gratitude activities, so there's two activities, counting your blessings, I love that, counting your blessings, one, two, three, and uh, gratitude letter writing, also known as writing thank you notes. Thank you, Kara. Uh, reduce the risk of depression in at-risk patients by 41% over a six-month period. 41%. Writing a letter of gratitude reduced feelings of hopelessness in 88% of suicidal inpatients and increased levels of optimism in 94% of them. 
Gratitude is related to a 10% improvement in sleep quality in patients with chronic pain. 76% who have already had insomnia have a reduced sense of insomnia, and 19% of them who had depression have a lower level depression because of choosing the practice of gratitude. Here's my biggest takeaway from all this research on gratitude that I've read about over the last couple of years, and it's this. Gratitude and anxiety can't coexist in your brain. Your, your brain, God, in my opinion, God created your brain so that anxiety and gratitude cannot coexist. So when you are expressing gratefulness internally or externally, the anxiety cannot stay. It might come back as soon as you're done with your gratitude sentence. I get that. I'm just saying, does that not make sense why we see in Scripture that from lament we move into gratitude? It, it's like they didn't have the scientific research, but we do, of why when you're expressing those laments, there's nothing wrong with that. But you move into gratitude because the anxiety that comes up from expressing all of that can't exist when you are grateful. It just can't. They had no idea about brain chemistry, but now we know. I now have a practice that I try to practice in my own life when I feel anxiety coming on, which I have. And I just take a few minutes to try to think of a couple things I'm thankful for. It does sometimes feel forced, okay? Admitting that. And whatever I'm anxious about, that thing, it didn't go away, but I find that in that moment that God meets me in that and gives me a different level of strength. And when I go back into the thing that I'm anxious about, if, if a scientific study was being done on me, I think it would go from like 75% to like 41% because of that practice. I've noticed it in my life. I've tried to do it for the last few years. But it takes some intentionality and it takes some grit and I don't always do it. But if I ask God to give me this generous spirit of gratitude, I do find that God meets me in it even when it feels really difficult, even when it's Monday at 5 o'clock in the morning and I get a text from my friend that I just want to, like, throw the phone, okay? And I, I had a long week. And I had a lot that happened, but I, 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 I put the phone away and I, you know, nice list, Joe, thanks. Um, and I just said to God, okay, I can't preach about this on Sunday if, I, if you don't help me <laughs> figure out how to be grateful about some of these things. I know that there's nothing significantly wrong here. I just feel frustrated and it's already the beginning of the week. So help me, help me to do that. And I, and I think that he did. And I think that there was some moments that, that tested that. <laughs> and I don't know all the understanding of the spiritual realm, but I think we have an enemy who's like, oh, you're going to ask God for that, huh? And I think there was some significant battle that went on there. It takes practice for us to do this. Just like anything else in life, we engage in practices. That's why we call spiritual, things, spiritual disciplines, we call them practices because you're practicing and it's helping you grow, and it's building your strength. And so when we practice, practice gratitude and giving, I would say it's generative. We also know that. That people who take intentional practices, even if it's a little bit awkward and it's around the table, but if you're taking intentional practices, the ones that were listed here in this article, what we know is that it's generative. And so when you practice gratitude, gratitude grows. And then you practice it more, and then it grows. That has also been proven about how our brains work. And I think that this is at the core of why God gives us this practice of lament and then todah. I was thinking this week about just all the people who stick out of my mind who practice this really well. Not just the rose-colored glasses thing, but like the lament todah. And I thought of a lot of you, but the person that came to my mind right away was Connie. A lot of you know Connie. She's right there in the back. Wave, Connie. Hi. 
And I, I thought of Connie for a few different reasons. I met Connie about three years ago, two months after we bought the Mill City Commons. She wheeled down from where she was living at the time in her wheelchair, and uh, she came to the Commons and was so excited that there was a new community coming to the neighborhood, although it was very clear right away that the building that we had just purchased was not accessible to people who were in wheelchairs. And we've had three years of trying to figure out how to make that work, and it has been a lot. And it has been a result of a lot of your generosity, financially and in time and in patience and in prayer, for us to get to the point where now the Mill City Commons is fully accessible to anybody. That's, that is worth praising for that, absolutely. And what I love about Connie is that she never complained about that. Not one moment did she ever say, at least to me or to anybody that I know, what is wrong with you people? Why would you buy a building that I can't even get into? In fact, she was one of the biggest cheerleaders for this project over three years. Talk about waiting for something, to get into her own church building. And I never felt like she had this sense of, of, of being discouraged or negative about it, but it was a real challenge, and that's why she was cheering for it, right? Connie, for the last four years, has had what she calls a gratitude tea, and it actually was yesterday, and that's part of why I was thinking of her. And she invites just a few of us women over, and we have tea and coffee and cupcakes. And, we, and if you're not grateful when you came in, there's cupcakes, so then you're grateful. And so we come in and we just share things that we're thankful for. And yesterday I, I showed up and I went up to Connie and Connie whispered to me, hey, there's some significant stuff going on in my family. My sister couldn't come because of a really serious medical thing in the family. In fact, surgery, emergency surgery is happening right now. And I said, oh man, I will pray. And right from that lament, Connie turns around and says, and now we're going to all share things that we're thankful for in the gratitude stories. And they weren't like little sentences and popcorn. It was like actual stories about the gratefulness that people have had. And some of them did start with lament. Because the deepest measures of gratefulness come out of recognizing how precious life is, isn't it? And that's what I watched Connie do yesterday with all of us as we were sharing as we went around. And it's in those moments that I realized, yes, Gratitude is resistance. That's what that was. All those women in that room of all the different ages, what, how many laments do you think? We, we were the book of lamentations in there. Man, some of the stuff people have gone through. But every single person was able to name the gratitude and the gratefulness in their life, and that's resistance to this enemy who wants to see the things that God's doing be thwarted and wants to keep us from being able to say to God, we know you're not done and we want you to keep going. What does it look like in your life? I could tell stories about a lot of you, but thanks, Connie, for being such a good example. But what does it look like in your life to be people of intentional gratitude, even if it takes grit in your life? I love that in the psalm. I will praise your name for your unfailing love and for your faithfulness. I, I wonder if the psalmist was saying, I will choose to praise your name and your unfailing love because it hasn't failed me. I'm still here. And you have been faithful, I'm still here. How can we practice this in the season that we're in? I'm going to give you like four very basic ideas, okay? And I put them on millcitychurch.com backslash training where we have a blog and you can just see the different ideas. Um, the first one is just to start a gratitude journal. I mean, it's such a good idea. Not all of us are journalists. Journal, journalists. Not all of us are journaling people. Um, and maybe, maybe it's something that in this season, if you tried it, you are kind of in the season of being a journaler and you didn't know. Maybe some of you know that's a practice that's been useful in your life, but you haven't done it in a while. Maybe just forcing yourself, at first maybe, to write down three things a day or something that you're grateful for would be really helpful for you. It would be a practice. How about going to the store and buying a container of thank you cards? If it's new, maybe just 10 or 15. 
but then there's the packages of 50. But what would you do is say, okay, before the end of 2019, or 18, before 2019 starts, that's a great day today, I'm just the... So before the end of the year, can I write all of these thank you notes and give them out to people in my life? I gotta be honest, if I got 25, I'd be searching a little bit because that's not my personality, but that would be so good. How about this, making a gratitude jar? Here you go, I've got some for you. So there's some jars on your way out, first come, first serve, and uh, they're not put together, so you get to put your own sticker on there and your own little bow. And then there's these, these um, little packets, and inside the packet, it describes what you're gonna do. And you can do this with your family, you can do this with your roommates, you can do it by yourself, and there's all these little strips to help you. I'll admit, this helps me. Something I appreciate about my past. Okay. Uh, something that's good that happened today. I was proud of myself today because something that was special about my family. This week, that might be a hard one. Okay, that's okay. So this is a way to intentionally choose it and to put the little jar somewhere where you see it. I know it can seem kind of trite, but it, it doesn't have to be because some of these things wouldn't be easy to do for some of us, right? And then my final idea is this. We do the, like, share something you're thankful for, and why do we do it when the food is sitting right there? You know what I mean? Because you're just like, cool, keep going because the turkey's getting cold. Like, that's hard. What about having a, a time with one or two friends where you get together and you do gratitude storytelling? Where you say, let's just go out for coffee and let's each of us at least share one thing that we're grateful for. Because sometimes we're like, let's get together and share prayer requests and it turns into lamentations and that's okay. But what about like we're going to tell some gratitude stories at that time? A practice that we could do. Those are just four Four easy ideas, but I don't think it needs to be that complicated, you guys. I think it actually needs to be simple because we need to step into it and we need to practice. It doesn't mean you're going to turn into an optimist if you're not, but it will help you. I really believe that it's true. The psychological proof is there and the, and the proof in Scripture is there. We're going to have the band come up and um, I've got these Toda signs. Some of you remember a couple years ago here at Mel City, we had these signs and people wrote some of the statements of things that they were thankful for. So we're going to put them here. So after you participate in communion, if you want to add a statement, we're just going to keep collecting Toda, Yada statements, um, Thanksgiving statements, if you want to write one down after you take communion. What I love about the opportunity to take communion is that this is such an example. This table is such a symbol of abundance, of a God whose love never runs out like we were singing about of a God who never fails. Jesus is, his life was such a model of abundance, wasn't it? Of there never being a, a need for, for a fear of scarcity because God's love is enough. And the, the reckless love and the, the throwing all caution to the wind to give his whole life, his, his walking around life, but also his, his life, death, and resurrection and conquering death. Jesus is the most perfect model of abundance. And I think that that abundance and that generosity, that generativity in which Jesus is exuding in Jesus' life is why generosity is what God wants for us. It's not something God wants from us. God doesn't need anymore. God is abundant. And so we have this opportunity to come. And Jesus gave everything, his whole life, all of his heart, like we saw here, so that we could be free. And he sat with his friends and he took this bread and he wanted them to remember. And so when he broke it, he said, remember my body that's broken for you. And he took this cup and he poured it and he said, and remember my blood that's about to be shed for you. It's right before he went to the cross. Whenever you do this, I want you to remember me. And I think he wanted us to remember so we wouldn't get stuck in scarcity, so that we wouldn't have hearts that are stingy, 
but hearts that are full of generosity in which gratitude flows freely. So any one of you are welcome. If you're trying to follow Jesus in your life, and you're welcome to come. We're going to have uh, the gluten-free cracker. You can dip it into the cup. There'll be some people here on the walls that can pray for you, add a gratitude on your way back to your seat. But let's spend this last couple of minutes just praising God and thanking God. And I do want to say this. If you genuinely can't bring yourself to that place right now, if you're just so deep in the lament still and something in your life and you just can't do it, that is okay because there's people next to you that'll do it for you. I believe that's how community works. And so if you can't do that right now, then you can sit, you can stand, but people will praise and thank God for you if you can't do it. But I bet some of you can who don't know if you can, so give it a try as we move into this last few songs.